It's Sunday, September the 30th, 2007. You're moving at the speed of creativity with Wesley Fryer, narrowcasting from Interstate 44 eastbound from Oklahoma City to Miami, Oklahoma, on the old Route 66, the mother road of the American West. Well, good evening from a special recorded podcast from Route 66. It is actually a dark evening. It's about almost 8 o'clock p.m. And I am in the middle of a series of seminars that are taking me across the state of Oklahoma. This last week I was in Lawton, Oklahoma, which is about an hour and a half southwest of Oklahoma City. I was in Norman, which is immediately south of Oklahoma City, in the southeastern corner of the state, in Durant, and then in McAllister, just a little bit above that. This week, I will be in Miami, this coming Monday, tomorrow, and then we'll be heading down to Tahlequah, and then over to Claremore, which is near the city of Tulsa, back to Oklahoma City for Wednesday night, and then finishing up in Enid, on Thursday and in Edmond where I actually live on Friday and there'll be one additional seminar that I'll be doing next Thursday in the city of Fort Cobb. So this is an unusual time. I, I generally am not doing such a compacted series of workshops but in the fall it is the E-rate season and um, one of the things that I'm expected to do for my job is share seminars that provide information about the E-Rate program here in the United States as well as an overview of the application process. But this podcast isn't going to talk about E-Rate. This podcast is going to talk about teaching fifth grade Sunday school this year because I have volunteered to co-teach the fifth grade Sunday school class at our church, which is the First Presbyterian Church of Edmond, Oklahoma. And I received a comment on one of my blog posts this week, someone asking for a little more detail on the ways that I was integrating technology or we were using technology within the context of a Sunday school class. So I thought I would post that as a podcast over here on Eyes Right. And I, I want to apologize for really not, not posting a whole lot over here. Eyes Right started, I guess, well over a year ago as a team blog, a Christian blog, that several folks have contributed to, and the idea is basically to invite people to share messages out of their own walk of Christian faith as mainly blog posts, but the opportunity to do podcasts is there as well, and while I certainly could theoretically type all the things that I want to share, it's just going to make it, it's going to be a a more doable thing, I think, to go ahead and record some ideas. So I have jotted down some notes, and what I would like to do is kind of share an overview of the digital and blended curriculum that we are using for fifth grade Sunday school this year, which comes from the group publishing company, and the ways in which we're utilizing that. Um, And second of all, kind of just talk about other other ways that... (coughs) We're using technology within lessons and and then during the week. And then finally talk a little bit about the online discussion portion, which 
I don't think has really taken off as as it potentially could, but it it has been engaging and valuable and has not only created some buzz as far as students and being excited about what we're learning and what we're talking about, but I think there's there there have been some direct benefits from that in terms of the communication that has happened that that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And so I'll just wrap up with some discussion about how I think this this group uh, publishing curriculum, Grapple as it's called, you know, is is not only instructionally sound from a pedagogical standpoint, but you know, it's very theologically sound in terms of the ways that it is inviting students as well as teachers to be asking questions and to be seeking answers together uh, and finding those answers in God's word and in the relationship that we have with God. So that's the plan for this evening's podcast. Well, I'd like to talk a little bit first about the Grapple curriculum. Group Publishing is a wonderful Christian publishing organization. <clears throat> My wife, Shelley, has been in early childhood ministries, I guess for almost a decade now. She served as a volunteer and then as an elder and then as a quarter-time employee at our previous church in Lubbock, Texas, Westminster Presbyterian Church, as the directory, director of nursery ministries and the coordinator of um, preschool activities that from a curriculum standpoint that children did during the the Sunday school hour she and the continuing Christian education director there at Westminster Leslie Roach have had chances in the past to attend several different Christian conferences and I think twice they've actually attended the conference that's put on every year by group publishing but one of the things that drew me to teach I have been, um, as some of you may know, living in Lubbock, Texas for the past 13 years and a member of the church there. And so for about maybe the past four years, the last four years I was there, I was a co-teacher in an adult Sunday school class called Spiritual Fitness and really enjoyed that a lot. But my background is as an elementary teacher, and I like teaching folks of all different ages, but really do enjoy the elementary age students. I taught fourth grade. And so we had a need in our church for another fifth grade teacher, and it was a little bit of a unique need because the curriculum that they selected for the fifth graders was something completely new. And in our church, we have been doing what's called rotational Sunday school for a number of years, and when we first visited our church, we moved to Oklahoma in the summer of 2006, and when we visited our church and, and uh, you know, first sort of toured around and saw the Sunday school classes, we were just blown away, because the Sunday school classes were specifically designed for an elementary rotational Sunday school model. So there's a stable of song, which is where students that are rotating through music, you know, go. There's a room called Bethesda Theater, where they, you know, can be doing puppetry and other kinds of theater performances. There's a Miracle Movies room, which is set up with a big screen and and uh, theater-style, you know, chairs with a projector. <coughs> Pardon me. And set up for for movies there's a wonderful art room with you know all the all the facilities for art i mean it's just and 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 more i mean there's there's parable place which is you know set up with pillows to kind of gather around and listen to stories just 
astounding. I mean, really, really uh, beautiful and wonderfully set up for rotational Sunday school. But one of the things that I, I, I think, and I'm, I'm saying this with a uh, sort of an insider's view, because my wife is now on staff with our church. She went to work full-time when we moved to Oklahoma as the director of early childhood ministries and the coordinator of the nursery there at our church. And so, based on what she's told me and other conversations with folks in, in the Christian ed department, one of the things that they're really thinking about and feeling God calling them to is the idea of family ministry and this summer they actually moved in that direction in the summer Sunday school time by having different people teach Sunday school for families and having families come together in what is really the, called the Family Life Center of our church. It's uh, got you know areas for, for basketball, but it's carpeted, and they move those back and have tables. And Anyway, it was set up to be really family-oriented discussions and lessons that would appeal to a variety of different ages. And it's this idea that as we are growing together as God's people, we there's really not a biblical reason to be doing that in age homogenous groupings, right? That tends to be our experience in formal school, and so you know, and and I'm I'm not totally up on the the complete. History of Sunday School, I know a little bit about how it was founded, and, and one of the interesting things that I know is that that was one way that prior to the Civil War in the United States, m- many people in church were able to help African Americans acquire literacy skills, learning to read and write, because they weren't allowed to be together in formal school. And so, anyway, I know that that, that, that happened you know, in Sunday School, and that that was that was part of the background, but anyway, my point is that there there is a lot of potential value in age heterogeneous and he, in in uh, diverse diversely aged groups, and it's challenging. It's not what we always do. It's not what we're as, as familiar with. But anyway, that was really a a good experience, and so. In addition to exploring possibilities for family ministry, as our church did this past summer, they are wanting to explore possibly moving beyond the rotational Sunday school model. And if you're not familiar with rotational Sunday school, usually, as far as I know, that is done with elementary age students. And the idea is that you have students still grouped in their grade level. So all the fourth graders are together, all the third graders are together, all the first graders are together. But... There's an adult or a pair of adults that is assigned to that class as a shepherd or as shepherds. And their charge as shepherds is really creating relational connections with students. You know, being there every every week regardless of what the lesson is and what room they're meeting in, the shepherds are there. And they're to touch base with the children during the week and, you know, just really, um, just like you think of a shepherd, I mean, watch over the flock. Keep keep track of what's happening. If somebody hasn't shown up for a couple weeks, I mean, give them a phone call. Reach out to them. Let them know that we've missed them. And really just be the... Uh, uh, consistent adult presence in the lives of the students during the Sunday school year. And so these different classes rotate into different themed rooms 
in the rotation, and so you may have five or six different rooms in the in the rotation. As an example, there would there, there is often a music room, and so there'll, there'll usually be a common theme to a, 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 a rotation of Sunday school, and so and this really fits into the idea of differentiated learning and learning styles, and the fact that students are going to resonate and connect in different ways with ideas and content. So we've got a, a musical room where they're going to experience music that's going to be focused on the theme of that rotation cycle. They'll go into the art room where they're going to create art and, you know, maybe view art, but but really it's focused on hands-on, you know, creating stuff, making stuff. This idea that we can't just, you know, passively talk at people and expect that to be impactful in terms of of their learning. You know, it is, well, I'm, I won't digress about the importance of children's ministries. I might say something about that at the end. But, uh, you know, another rotation might be uh, movies. So there will be a video or a series of videos that students will see and then they'll discuss. There could be some theater involved where they're actually, you know, getting involved, acting out scenes from the Bible, scenes from the verses that are the focus verses for that rotation cycle, or... Um, you know, watching uh, theater presentations that are being done by others, by adults or by students. Um, parable place, you know, hearing stories, telling stories. So there's a, there's different aspects to the the rotational Sunday school model. I think there's a lot of very positive things that are happening within the rotational Sunday school model. But one of the things that can you know sort of fall by the wayside. It's sort of similar to the regular educational classroom when you have departmentalization and that is the real potential for these lasting relationships these powerful relationships to happen over time sort of when you're self-contained you know when you have your own class your own students when I taught fourth grade I was responsible for teaching the math for all the fourth grade and then students rotated over for science and for social studies and we taught our own language arts and reading and, you know, I think I would have preferred to just have my own class, to have not rotated. Although I know there was great benefit that the students had. You know, there's trade-offs. So that's a long way of saying that starting with fifth grade this year at our church, we have begun to utilize a different model and take fifth grade out of rotation and have them with their own curriculum. And in deciding what curriculum to go with, the Children's Education Department, Children's Ministries Department, really looked at a lot of different things and found this curriculum by group that is called GRAPPLE. And this curriculum is very digitally intensive, meaning it comes in a little case. It's a small book, kind of the size of a DVD booklet, I guess, you know, that would fit inside the DVD cover. And it, it has a DVD inside it with a few movie clips and some other um, sort of sponge, I guess, stopwatches that you can play that kind of count down. And the curriculum is really well written. It's fast-paced. It is chunked so that you're going to have different activities that you're going to be doing throughout the time. In the case of our Sunday school, we've got a, usually about an hour to work with the, the students. And so the grapple curriculum is, is set up 
like you would think of, of, a, of a good lesson plan and series of lesson plans with a weekly theme with overall you know verses that are going to be the focus verses and you know then with a variety of different activities there's more planned in each grapple lesson than you actually have time to do but the most unique thing about grapple is the fact that it has an online web environment and that is accessible at mygrapple.com and I will include in the podcast show notes a link to mygrapple.com which is where our students actually go to log in and see the um, you know the discussion boards and as I'll talk about the different areas of the website but they also are um, I'll include the link also just to the to the group publishing site for Grapple. But anyway, the aspects of Grapple are uh, on on the website. Basically, um, the most important part is probably weekly clues. And the way I see it, one of the most important there there's several things that are really important about Grapple in terms of the digital part, uh, trying to uh, in, encourage different behaviors than we might normally see in Sunday school class or, or you know with students that are attending Sunday school. And one of those is the idea of midweek communication and, and midweek cognitive visits, you know, to and spiritual visits to the ideas that we're talking about and, and to encourage, you know, opening up your Bible during the week, not just seeing Sunday school as something that we do during Sunday, but something, you know, talking with God and, and reading his word and being in community with others in, in our church and, and outside our church and our communities. It's something that we're called to do throughout the week. And so there are a series of clues that are given on the website, about four or five, and students are encouraged to open up their Bibles and find those. A lot of these are challenges, um, and some of them are things that may involve their classmates, but you know, a lot of them are biblically focused on the lesson. And so that's the first important thing. The second thing that uh, Grapple provides is a series of discussion boards. And, and here a little later in the podcast, I'm going to kind of go into detail about those. You know, when this was originally kind of marketed or some people heard about it, they said, oh, this is a, a safe MySpace for kids. Well, it is a walled garden where you have to have a login in order to get into the environment. People from the street can't just jump in and see what, what students are writing and posting. But at this point, Grapple is not, you know, a MySpace or a Zanga or another social network where students can create their own page and, you know, truly create their own profile. I actually hope, and I'm going to provide some feedback to the folks at group, that they will work in that direction because I really think it is valuable for our students to be having a chance. I mean, these kids are not, that we're teaching in fifth grade here in Edmond, Oklahoma, are not having a chance in school to do anything like this where the teacher is having them go online in fifth grade and, you know, regularly visit discussion boards and and access, you know, things that are going to relate to the lessons and just, you know, blended learning. It's not happening. And from an Internet safety standpoint, it's very important that students have a chance to practice Internet safety, not just be told by adults, hey, don't go to MySpace or don't, you know, don't meet strangers online. It's important that they have a place where they they practice these things and what is safe to disclose and share and those kind of things. So discussion boards, I would say, are the second main component. Um, A third component, which is important, is voting. And there are a variety of different games that we have to play each week. And the students are presented automatically by the the online curriculum system or learning 
learning management system, I guess. It's really, it's it's not Moodle or Blackboard or something like that, but I mean, it, it's kind of in that direction and then it permits some interactivity. Students are invited to vote on the game. And so one of the things that we do as a teacher is go online and check it out, see what the students voted for, and then we use the game that got the most votes in that particular week's Sunday school lesson. And so that's definitely something a little different. Um, and then the last thing that it provides are a variety of different PDF files that we as teachers can access. So we're co-teaching this class, or I'm co-teaching this class, but there's only one book. However, that's okay because all of the lessons are available as PDF files, and so the other teacher actually keeps the book, and I just access the PDF versions. And then it also provides parent connection PDFs that we can send to parents and, again, to try and encourage communication during the week. And just, you know, it's always an issue, right? Whether it's regular school, Sunday school, what are my kids learning? What what are they talking about, you know? And, and some parents may or or may not actively seek this out, but but I think a lot of uh, them are appreciative of, hey, here's you know what we're what we're studying. Here are the verses that we've been talking about. Here are kind of the big questions that we've been grappling with. You know, grappling meaning wrestling with. So that is really really good, and um, I think that that's a a pivotal piece. I was telling my wife today when we were talking about grapple that. We've got some of our sixth grade teachers that are really thinking about doing grapple. They've heard positive things about it, and, and they're considering using it. It's, I mean, I, I have knowledge in, in how to create you know, digital online learning environments with Moodle or other kinds of learning management systems, but to have this digital curriculum set up, which is not only set up to be interactive and to use digital tools, but it's, you know, very age-appropriate, very developmentally appropriate. It's theologically, you know, online, and I don't mean, it's kind of a pun, I guess, but it's on target. Um, I really think that the the group publishing folks have, you know, have not put together a work of heresy. It is very, you know, biblically, um, biblically sound, and so... I I just think it's wonderful, and absent that, we would really not be blending technology into our Sunday school teaching to the degree that we are. So many thanks to Group Publishing for creating Grapple, and for our church for actually selecting Grapple as the curriculum that we are using. So that's a little bit about the Grapple digital curriculum. All right, well, I've actually stopped for dinner and am now re-energized. I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma right now, still eastbound on I-44, the old Route 66, or what is now, I guess, Oklahoma 66, and I am headed into what looks like a big thunderstorm. There are a bunch of lightning flashes in the clouds ahead, so this may may be uh, postponed if we get into some rain, but at this point we are we are sailing clear, so hopefully that's not going to pose too much of a problem tonight. Um, what I'd like to talk about now, I sort of discussed Grapple as a curriculum environment and some of the features that it offers. And what I'd like to talk about now are, pardon me, some of the other technology integration techniques that I'm I'm utilizing with these fifth graders. And we are following a co-teaching model, which I really, really like, you know, just in general for teaching. Uh, it works great for Sunday school. I don't particularly like just a handoff every other week. 
I think that's a little artificial and, you know, doesn't really allow you to maybe build relationships as well as content knowledge quite as effectively as you can if you if you go through a couple or, you know, several week series. So we're following that and kind of taking two or three weeks each and then handing it back off to each other. And... Um, the, uh, there's a variety of different ways that we're, we're using technology in addition to the Grapple curriculum. One of them is by using Google Documents, and specifically the spreadsheet feature of Google Documents, to just keep track of our class role and our class list. One of the things we have to do, of course, since we have an online social networking environment that is part of our course, is keep track of user IDs and passwords. And so I just have a real simple... Google spreadsheet that's set up and have shared that access with my co-teacher and uh, also shared, um, I think, uh, maybe even edible access. with. We have uh, two of the, of the parents who had been shepherds with fifth grade last year that are serving as facilitators. So we actually have four adults usually that are helping with lessons. Sometimes, you know, somebody's gone. But anyway, that's been neat to provide that access to everyone. Um, honestly, you know, I've been the one at this point or up to this point really putting in in content but it is a more effective way to share a list like that than you know simply having a spreadsheet that we're we're emailing out to folks and that way if people want they can dynamically see what the logins are for students I didn't mention this but grapple right now is set up so that all the students have the same password and obviously from a security standpoint that is not a great situation from a logistical standpoint it does make it a lot easier because students just need to know what their username is and you choose a root of the username kind of like with Yahoo spam guard if you have a Yahoo account I have a paid account so I can I can check it with a third ma- a third party client but I'm I'm not sure if the, I think you can do this even with a free Yahoo account you can create what are called spam guard accounts, and that is if you want to sign up for some services or something online but not give them your regular email address, uh, anyway, you create a, a, a base or root part of your pa- of your email address, which would be totally different from whatever your real Yahoo, Yahoo account name is. Um, and then off of that, you put other numbers or words or, or things like that to basically make permutations off of your root address. Well, this is sort of similar for Grapple where you create what, what your root account is and then you'll have a teacher password that you'll log in with that, but then your students increment starting with one all the way up to however many we have the um, oh, kind of like the site license or whatever that I think gives us a hundred accounts if we would want them. I mean right now we're, we're using 25 of the student accounts. So, anyway, it's important to keep track of those things, and Google Documents is an effective way to do that. If you're not using Google Documents, you can visit them at google.com slash docs. And if you didn't know, just this last, I want to say maybe two weeks ago, Google announced they have integrated the use of presentations into their Google Documents. It used to be called, uh, I think, Google Documents and Spreadsheets, but now it's just Google Documents since it's integrating the, the presentation tool. And, and basically it's you know very similar to the types of things that you can do at a basic level with a Microsoft Word type word processing program with PowerPoint with uh, Excel and you can not only upload documents you can also download them in that version so you know if I need to provide somebody with an offline copy of of the spreadsheet I can do it right from Google Documents either saving it as an editable Excel 
spreadsheet or going ahead and saving it as a PDF document right from the web, which is real handy. Uh, there's a really nice video that explains Google Documents that um, Leela Fever, Leland Fever put together for the Common Craft Show, and I'll try and include a link to that in the podcast show notes as well. It's a great, a great little about two-minute video that you can share with folks as well as see yourself, of course, to explain the benefits of working with productivity documents online instead of multiple versions that you're sending to different people. A second basic way that we've used the Grapple curriculum to blend technology is to use the DVDs, or the DVD, I guess, the videos that are included. And honestly, there's not a ton of them. This lesson today, which I think this may have been our, it's our fifth or sixth lesson, was the first one that actually included included a video. And it was great. I mean, it was it was very short. I would say it was two minutes long or less. It was very quick. The title was, Who is Jesus? And it was just different kids giving their ideas and perceptions on who Jesus is. Of course, my thought was it would be great for us to go ahead and create that kind of video ourselves, and it would be relatively easy to do. Um, given the time constraints that we have for class, it's probably a little challenging to do that. But it might be something we could do even on a Wednesday night. I might even think about doing that this week at our, our Wednesday night church thing, but I don't know. I'm taking a different class there, and time is just always a factor. But it was nice to have that provided, and I think that you know was a, it, it, was, it was used as a conversation starter when we went into what we call our grapple time, which is when the students are in small groups that are facilitated by another adult. And anyway, that was, it was a conversation starter uh, talking about who Jesus was. Our, our topic today was, is Jesus a liar? And this reminds me of what C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, Mere Christianity, one of my favorite passages from that book. And he, and he says, you know, Jesus is either a, a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. You can't just say he was a good teacher and, you know, reject out of hand the claims that he makes in multiple Gospels, in multiple places, about being God, about being the deity. And so we're talking about how, you know, Jesus was and is 100% human and 100% God. How how could he be that? Well, it's a divine mystery, right? But but he was completely completely human and completely God. Um, he was tempted just like we are as human beings, except of course that he he didn't give in to that temptation. You know, he um, he lived a a perfect life in that respect. So. I mean, in all respects, but you know, to be tempted is not to sin, right? And that's that's something that's important to kind of distinguish. We're we're all faced with temptation. It's what we do with that temptation that defines whether or not our behavior is sinful or not. Wow! I wish that you could see what I'm seeing here over Interstate 44. There is an amazing display of lightning, and it's not just the clouds lighting up. There's actually uh, cloud-to-cloud bolts of lightning. So I do believe that I'm going to see some heavy rain here shortly. So we'll try to get this wrapped up before that rain begins. In addition to using Google Documents, I'm also and and the videos that are being uh, there in the in the packet that came with the curriculum. You know, I've used basically some some typical whole group uh, brainstorming uh, conversation facilitating tools. And for me. 
that is usually either inspiration or a word processor and a stopwatch application. So I'm typically using my Macintosh, running Mac OS X, and one of the neat features of OS X is something called widgets. You're able to press the F12 key and bring up whatever widgets that you have loaded. Widgets are just little small applications that run in the background. They do take up memory, so if you're short on memory, you don't want to have, you know, a hundred widgets loaded up. But I only have maybe five or six loaded. I've got, I think, what, weather, weather radar, I've got a calendar, um, I've got a Wikipedia tool that lets me real easily access Wikipedia. The only two I think I've downloaded that aren't default. Well, the radar wasn't something I got off that wasn't included. Um, but this, the, the one I just totally love, and I'll include a link to this in the show notes, is the stopwatch application. When I was in Goodland, Kansas, here about uh, a month ago, I guess, I was using that, and, and the teachers looked for it, and the one that I'm using is no longer available, but they found a different one. And it's very basic. It just lets you you know, start a stopwatch, and that you know, gives us here two minutes. We're going to brainstorm. Go. And I use the accessibility feature that's built into Mac OS X so that you can hold down two keys. Those are the, uh, by default, command, which is the Apple key, and the option key right next to it, and then press the number 8 to enable the text zoom, which is an accessibility feature, and then hold those same two keys down and press the plus key, and then just zoom in as far as I want, and basically zoom in on the on the, um, on the stopwatch. So one of my favorite activities, and I, I probably do this just about every time I teach a workshop now, is an instructional strategy called Turn, Pair, and Share. And I, we didn't do it exactly right here. Um, if you do a, a pure Turn, Pair, and Share, then you're asking folks to turn to someone and do a one-on-one -on -one sharing about a question or a topic. And then you ask them to either share back with others that are around them or you you know usually I guess share back with the entire group and so I uh, do that because rather than just ask the whole group a question and get a few answers you end up having a higher level of engagement and actual participation by by your students because everybody in the phase of, of the turning and pairing is actually talking about the topics. Whereas when you're doing the whole group sharing, you know, there's not enough time for every single person to share. So that's a more limited type of participation. So um, that doesn't have to do with technology. That's just, I think, a good instructional strategy. So I use that. And uh, then go ahead and put the ideas when we're in the share portion up, on, um, up onto the screen. In this case, I just used Microsoft Word in a bulleted list and, and zoomed in and used a large font size to go ahead and allow everybody to see that. I was just plugged into a television. I have a projector that I can utilize, but, you know, it's a little bit more of a pain to kind of set up. And so the first couple Sundays I did, you know, set up the projector and, and kind of got a screen going there. But I have opted to just use the television, which isn't a huge TV. I think it may... I don't know, I think it's bigger than 27. It may be a 32-inch TV, which is decently sized, but it's not massive. Um, but anyway, it's just a, a way to, of course, display the computer image for everybody. And I have a little adapter for my MacBook. I have both, one that gives a VGA out, which is what a projector will take. And that's the one I'm usually using for workshops and things. But in cases like this, I have one that has a composite out, which is the little yellow cable that you see when you hook up a VCR or a DVD player. 
Those are usually, you've got a white and a red plug for left and right channels for your stereo audio, and then you have a yellow plug, which is composite, and sometimes it'll, you'll have S-Video too. So this plug lets me output either S-Video or composite video, which is, you know, not as good a quality, <coughs> certainly, as the VGA or, or the S-Video, but good enough for what we're trying to do here, which is basically show, show images, show words, and uh, <coughs> not, of course, 12-point text. That would not be best practice. So anyway, that is what we are doing as far as uh, technology uses, and hopefully um, we're going to utilize more videos, and I guess I, I'll say this here at this point. There is a website, and I'll try and include this in the podcast show notes as well, called GodTube. So similar to YouTube and TeacherTube, people have created this to encourage people to share stories about God in their lives and their their spiritual journeys and, and things like that. I have not spent a great deal of time on the website. However, I have wanted to, you know, bring in, as I do in other kinds of teaching contexts, videos that I'm, I'm finding other places and haven't really done that yet. But I think, that, you know, when, I, when I'm in the middle of teaching something, it definitely challenges me to go to a deeper level in terms of the content and the ideas that we're, we're focusing on. And it also provides, in some cases, a, an excuse to investigate new tools and resources. And, and that's one of my personal goals for teaching this class is to you know, be finding additional content and things that are out there on, on YouTube and on GodTube and other places. Um, I've located previously some interesting debates that people have had about whether God exists between Christian believers and atheists and... Um, you know, just kids basically using YouTube as a forum to to debate the existence of God, which I found real interesting. And I'll 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 definitely post those findings here on the Eyes Right blog as I as I find those. And I haven't really mentioned this, but I do need to say that the website where I'm posting this podcast, and if you're interested in in more ideas along these lines and just along the lines of of Christians in different parts of the world sharing kind of messages and, and, and ideas from, from their journey of faith, uh, the website is eyesright, E-Y-E-S-R-I-G-H-T dot speed of creativity dot org and you can find that or I think you can probably just go to Google and put in eyes right blog and you probably should be able to pull that up so that's a little bit about some other technology integration techniques that we're using in class with fifth graders this year well, I see we've hit about 37 minutes on this recording and I'm going to probably be inserting just a little bit of music in between these different sessions, so we're probably getting close to about 40 minutes, and I'm going to try not to, ta- I'm not going to take this over an hour. You know, one of the remarkable things about podcasts, let's just think about this for a brief second, a brief little interlude here. If I was doing this on the radio, there's no way I would be able to, you know, talk on like this for 40 minutes, probably. I mean, radio, like television, like traditional media, is really sharply defined, typically, by show length and you know, by a whole host of factors. One of the wonderful things about podcasts is that it's just open-ended. I will oftentimes try and chunk a podcast into a, about a 15 to 20 minute segment if I'm going to talk about an issue. 
many times I'll be posting a presentation from a conference or something, and that's, you know, a 45-minute or an hour-long presentation. But if I'm just going to do a session, I'll tend to chunk it longer. You know, this evening, to talk about these issues, there's more to talk about than just for 20 minutes. And if you're sticking with us here for, for this podcast, I mean... It's you know if this isn't of interest you can just turn it off right, uh, but if it is if this if this is of interest if you're involved in Christian education if you're involved in teaching Sunday school or or, or just wanting you know additional ideas maybe to take back to your church or congregation then you know here here we are together having this conversation this visit um, I think podcasting is great and I certainly as I as I generally say in my other podcasts would welcome any feedback that you would have about these ideas and you know this just this is the way we learn in the 21st century or the way we can learn is together in collaboration like this so the third and final topic that I want to take up tonight is to talk a little bit about the discussion boards because I mentioned initially that discussion boards are an important part of the grapple online curriculum and there are several different forums for the discussion boards. Now, if students have been in, dis- in, in social networking sites, which, you know, the, the fifth grade students that we're dealing with, I, I need to survey them and find out. I don't know if any of them have MySpace pages or, or those kind of pages. My sense is, you know, there's a high level of fear in our community in general about social networking. And while these students are aware of those things, you know, I'm not sure. I could be surprised. I mean, I've, I've been surprised before asking students uh, if I was, it, that would be an interesting thing. I'm going to do this. In fact, hey, good idea here. I'm going to go online, maybe not tonight, but here in the next day or so, to our discussion board. And I'm going to post a poll because one of the things that you can do in the environment is not just, you know, post a message like you would typically a title in the subject line. But you can actually post a poll, and students can respond to that anonymously. So I'm going to do a little poll about social networking and find out, you know, what our what our students are, you know, how many of them are visiting MySpace or Zanga or another uh, Facebook, another another social networking site, and how many have their own accounts, and that'll be interesting to see uh, what we find out. So. Uh, there are several different forum areas, and these are really just flat discussion boards. We we used briefly when I was at the College of Education at Texas Tech a, a bulletin board forum. I think it was called PHP My Bulletin Board or something like that. And anyway, this is just very you know flat and basic, but you know it works. Um, you've got different broad categories, and this is sort of like what you might set up in a Blackboard or a WebCT class. So you're going to sort of compartmentalize or channel discussions in different areas. The first category is God sightings. And so this is the idea that we want students as well as teachers to be sharing, you know, where where do you see God working in your life? Where do you see him um, taking taking an active role? Where Where do you see his hand? And I'm enrolled and I've only been able here in the last month to attend one of the sessions. I'll get to attend another one this Wednesday. Uh, a class on um, spiritual journeys and basically on on connecting with God and being attuned to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's working in our lives. One of the things that our teacher Kurt Gruel said the first night is that a large part of of spiritual growth and development has to do with being attentive, you know, just 
being aware and focused on what God is doing. And journaling can be a big part of that, where you're regularly writing down things that are happening. And so we haven't had a tremendous number of God sightings posted. We've had some. But I think that's a real, real good encouragement. Uh, another forum area is prayer concerns. And so, again, this is a good encouragement for, for our students to be posting concerns that they have or things that they're, they're praying for, things they want others to be praying for. And it's this idea of checking in with each other, not just on Sundays, but you know, throughout the week, different points of the week, see what's going on in our lives, see what we need to be praying for, have that opportunity to make that kind of a connection. I am not sure, and I'm not online right now, so I can't I can't look it up what the third one is. I'm kind of thinking the third one is a little more curricular focused. I don't remember the title of it. But the last category, and I'm pretty sure there's four of them that are set up, is just is kind of a lounge for general talk. And this is is definitely, I think, a best practice for distributed learning. I've I've used the term distance learning for a long time and I had a chance two or three years ago to attend a session that was co-presented by Chris Deedy, who Dr. Chris Deedy, who's at Harvard University's College of Education, as well as some others at the eLearn conference that was held in Vancouver, Canada. By the way, a beautiful city. I would love to go back to Vancouver. Um, and one of the things that that they said was that we need to stop using the, the term distance learning, that really distance learning connotates a geographic separation between learners, and when we're talking about the blended use of technology tools, it's a lot more constructive to talk about distributed learning, because that's what we're doing. We're going to distribute learning across different modalities and different environments, and some things we may do synchronously face-to-face, we may do it synchronously over a video conference. In the case of Sunday school, I mean, we're meeting on Sunday mornings, you know, from basically 9.45 to 10.45 and and having class, but we're wanting to extend the learning and the conversations and the focus on on God's Word and on our our lives together in community and the the tool lets us do that. So one of the best practices that I, I picked up as the director of what was called then distance learning uh, at a university in a college of education was providing students an area where they can really be social. And, you know, the social relational aspects of learning are very important. This is supported in literature, meaning the academic research. And I've had it supported experientially, you know, in classes. The classes where I do forge some connections between other classmates you know, and then we work together. I mean, the work that we do is so much richer. This is true in the work environment. I mean, I had uh, several different folks that worked with me over the five years that I was working in higher education as a staff member. And the best times were when we had a cohesive group. We would, you know, go out to lunch together, you know, periodically. And that wasn't that often. Maybe it was once every really couple months. Um, but, I, you know, we ha- I had folks over to our house, you know, for holidays. We had a social aspect to our relationship in addition to our work aspect. And it's in some ways easier to do when you are meeting face-to-face, but it's something the teacher has to be intentional about doing. And, and this really is something that I think our Christian education leaders at our church are passionate about. I'm very passionate about building relationships. It is not... I mean, if we really want to help folks 
connect with God, connect with the the powerful message of the gospel. Ultimately, right, this is God's work, right? This isn't our work. Um, we hope to be conduits and channels and instruments of God's of of God's kingdom here on earth. And so we shouldn't get big heads and think that we're out here doing all this stuff. What we're trying to do is see where God is working and and plug in. But you know, whenever we're teaching something, it, it's a lot more than just content. It's a lot more than just memorizing something and and learning things at a cognitive level. Um, the relationships that we build are so important because those relationships are oftentimes what helps make that learning be sticky and stick with us and really make an impact. So this is best practice. And I mean, we've seen more posts in the social lounge area of the website for students than you know any other section. In fact, this, this could actually be a, a decent article maybe that I could even write for a Christian publication talking about utilizing a, this sort of blended learning environment, maybe lessons and takeaways that we that we learn over the course of the year. But anyway, I'm glad to see this. Kids have posted polls about their favorite football teams, their favorite movies. Um, you know, there have been different kinds of, of sort of banter back and forth. It's not, you know, focused on what the lesson was about that week, and it's not, you know, religious and, and spiritual and Christian in, in focus. But it's about encouraging students to build relationships and to use tools, right? This is the link to Internet safety. This I think, and this might be another good question for me to pardon me, poll the students about, I think this is the first opportunity that a lot of our students have had to formally you know, use a online social networking, digital, blended, distributed, whatever you want to say, fill in the blank, this kind of environment in, a, in connection with a face-to-face class. And these are fifth graders, right? These are you know, 10 and 11-year-olds. So I, I, this is where the Internet safety piece comes in, and it's a real important piece. And we need, to, we need to be providing more opportunities for students to do that. On that note, let me point to something that I've written about in my regular blog, which is at speedofcreativity.org, and that is a national school board association report or commission report that was published in August of 2007. And I will include a link to this in the podcast show notes to the PDF. This report said several things, but one of the main things relevant to this podcast is that educators need to be leveraging the powerful potential of online social networking environments to help students learn. And, and that is what this grapple curriculum and this way of, of teaching and approaching Sunday school this year I think is allowing us to do to a greater degree. Um, you know, has every student in the class or who's attended class, you know, over the month and a half that we've been going here so far, logged in and, and really participated? I don't have the data on that. I, I'll be able to because it, it, it's tracked. Um, but I know that there have been quite a few students that have, and that we've got students who are checking in with the clues about what the lessons are. They're opening their Bibles during the week, and, you know, this is a building process. This is a growing process. It's going to be very interesting to see what the dynamics are like, you know, in the second semester as we continue to work with this group 
and, you know, just get more comfortable. One of the things we haven't done yet, which we really need to, is probably just to go into the computer lab together and let everybody get online and, and post some things. We have about maybe 10 computers in a computer lab. that I, I didn't mention that when I was talking about the rotation Sunday school, but that's one of the rotations for our, our Sunday school. And anyway, that's, you know, the digital divide's real. We live in, a, in an affluent community. I mean, Edmond is a much wealthier community even than, you know, I think probably some of the wealthier areas of Lubbock. I mean, there's there's gated communities and houses that are just, you know, they blow blow me away. Um, and, you know, anyway, it's the, there is a mix, but I don't know. The school district makes an assumption, I think, in some cases, and this is just what I've heard from some parents, that every student has a computer. Well, that's that's not accurate, and we need to be careful not make that assumption either so we encourage kids you know wherever they can at a friend's house a grandparent's house neighbor you know if they don't have a computer at home but uh, I want to say that all of the students uh, the initial day that we surveyed and we've we've had somewhere between 15 and 20 students most most Sundays I think we had about maybe 18 or 18 or 20 today um, you know have reported having a having a computer so I just think that use utilizing this curriculum plays plays into that recommendation of, of the National School Boards Association commissioned report, Grunwald Research, I think, did the report, and I'll include a, a link to it in the podcast show notes. So I want to wrap up and basically thank Group Publishing for providing this curriculum. I hope we're going to see other Christian curriculum companies move in this direction. I think I would I would you know guess we're going to continue to see group evolve. This is a new environment. One of the things that they have done and I received an email here a week or so ago uh, saying that we could enable individual student passwords for accounts. So depending upon the situation that that can be a good a good thing to enable because students are needing you know, I, I think they ought to, that's one of the things they need to practice, you know, is managing their own password. Does that make it a more of a hassle logistically? Yes, it does. Um, because, you know, and, and one of the things they probably need to integrate by doing that, and they may have done this already, is a, is a password reminder and a way to get their password emailed to them. Currently, there's, there's not a way. They've got to contact the, the teacher, and we're using parent emails. I don't. That's another question. I don't know the answer to if any of our students have their own email accounts. But we're, um, you know, Grapple provided us, and I didn't say this with permission forms, and that was a big thing up front. Was explaining to this to parents and how this was a walled garden, and this was going to provide a, an environment for students to socially network, be able to post things and respond to their classmates, access clues. You know, kind of explaining the overview. And everyone was very supportive. We didn't have any any parents, you know, really balking. And, you know, they thought it was great. And, of course, one of the things the parents are excited about is that their kids are excited. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time that kids are excited about Sunday school. And I am not saying just using technology, woo, it's going to, you know, it's going to make everything great. No. I mean, what are you going to talk about? How are you going to teach it? What, you know, are you going to, what are you going to do? It's not just a matter of throwing technology in the mix and, and then that's a magic bullet that solves all problems and, and makes learning just magically happen. But technology can be a powerful catalyst. It can be a lever for engagement. It can, it can be a very useful tool, you know, just like the chalkboard can be a useful tool. Um, but, of course, the technolo technology, as I'm now learning to say, is protean. 
it can be used in many, many different ways. And as a final example of that, one of the clues this week was how many times did Jesus say in the Gospels, I tell you the truth. And that was, I think the question was in the New Living Translation. And nobody got that. And I showed the kids today how to go on Bible Gateway, which is a wonderful website of various translations in different languages as well as different versions of the Bible. Select the New International or the, sorry, New Living Translation. And then do an exact keyword search for those, those words. And it turns up 69 times. But the first book was from Jeremiah. And we talked about that as an Old Testament verse. And, and so that wouldn't have been the words of Jesus. Because Jesus is not quoted in the New Testament. Although he is certainly, um, his life and, and what he was going to do is certainly prophesied by, by prophets. Like the prophet Isaiah um, you know, those were the words of Jesus in, in the red letter Bible version, which I haven't, you know, uh, that's New Testament. So instead of 69, that we, we deleted that one in 68 times. So 68 times Jesus said, I tell you the truth. And my last thought is that this is a, a great Christian curriculum for fifth graders, not only because it embodies some really good instructional ideas of mixing up in, you know, instruction, having some fun with some games, um, having some group time, you know, having some whole class time, using some videos, using you know, different, different techniques to, to keep students engaged and interested and, and you know, get them opening their Bibles, getting them reading their Bibles and, and doing it on a repeated basis. But I think it's also, and this is probably the most important thing for any kind of Christian curriculum, very on target because <clears throat> the focus of grapple is is getting kids to ask questions. I mean, the title of our lesson today was, "Is Jesus? A, a, what if Jesus is a liar?" Okay, wow, that's kind of a arresting title, and. You know, there may be some folks that are uncomfortable with that. You know, oh my gosh, how could you say that? Well, we need to be asking these questions. Because like C.S. Lewis exhorts us in Mere Christianity, you know, if you read the words of Jesus, he is one of three things. He, he is either a liar or a lunatic or he is the Lord. And of course, I believe he is the Lord. He is the Son of God. Um, Jesus is, came to earth and as, as 100% human and 100% God. How in the world could that happen? That's a divine mystery. It was a miracle of God that he sent his own son um, to die for our sins. And you know, we talked today about how in the Jewish time, going to church meant sacrificing an animal. And, and it meant that a pure animal had to die for sins. And that's not in our experience when it comes to church. We talk about Jesus dying for our sins, but if we're to understand that, we kind of need to, to situate that in context and see how in the Jewish time, they very much understood the idea of sacrifice and sacrificing an innocent life. And, and uh, when we say that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the dead, that God raised him from the dead after three days, you know, that is a, that's an extreme claim. There are a lot of folks that, that, you know, do not believe that. And we can't just say Jesus was a good teacher and a nice guy. You know, I mean, people who are just good teachers and nice guys don't, don't claim to be God. Um, if they claim to be God in, in today's day and age, we probably lock them up. You know, we put them in a, in a, in a mental institution and... Uh, 
in the day that Jesus lived, the Pharisees saw that as unforgivable heresy. And, and ultimately, Jesus was put to death because of his claims to not just be a prophet, not just you know be a rabbi and a teacher, but that he was God's son and that, that he was God. So, I hope this has been helpful. This is running just about an hour, and if you've stuck with me the whole time, I thank you. It's been a good way to pass some time as I've been driving up here to Miami, Oklahoma. It does look like the storm clouds are off to the south, so no rain yet, and hopefully we'll have free sailing here the rest of this trip as I begin another week of seminars across Oklahoma. Um, I will include also in the podcast show notes a link to the the podcast of sermon series that is at my church, and I've been helping our communications director put those together, basically get those linked and into a podcast feed. And one of the things that I'm doing at the beginning of the of the sermons is just a brief little introduction, and I'll I'll share I'll share the same exhortation with you as as kind of a final concluding note, and that is that if wherever you happen to be on this planet of ours, tuning into this podcast, I encourage you to seek out a uh, local church congregation, a local Christian community. Uh, we're exhorted to do that by the Scripture. Um, not to just live in isolation, but to seek out uh, the edifying support and the love of our fellow Christians uh, wherever we might be. Um, It's been very important in my own life as I have lived in some different countries and moved around to seek the fellowship of of the church and the support of the church. It's it's been pivotal uh, in my own life and um, so I encourage you to do the same. Find a local congregation if you're not already going to, to church and get involved, get active. Uh, find out what's going on with the Christian Education Program. How are the youth in your community and in your church being encouraged to connect with Christ and connect with God's Word, connect with each other? Because... Reaching young people with the Word of God is pivotal. And the research, again, by George Barna and others really indicates how vital it is that we reach out to kids. Because if if kids don't make a commitment to Christ when they are kids, they are much less likely to do so as adults. And in many cases, it's the kids that can end up bringing their parents to, to not just church, of course, churches, you know, churches not the building, but to the, the church service, to, to the place where the church gathers, but um, you know, church, church is the people, and um, in many cases, it is the the children in the home who are being invited by their friends, and as a result, bringing their parents and providing that opportunity for more folks to hear the the liberating good news of the gospel. So, good evening from I-44, and have a wonderful day. And may God bless you, and bless your family in the week to come.